truth of what happens is, as children grow up, we start to educate them progressively from the waist up. And then we focus on their heads, and slightly to one side. I think in the old days, you know, you were better off. Because nowadays, they're all specialists. Everyone's becoming better and better, and less and less. And eventually, someone's going to be superb and nothing. Our education system has mined our minds in the way that we strip-mined the earth for a particular commodity. And for the future, it won't serve us. We have to rethink the fundamental principles on which we're educating our children. We're not here to tell everybody that they're wrong and we're right. We're not saying that we have all the answers, but um, we'd like to present a different way of looking at it. Hello, listeners, and welcome to China Education. Episode 31. My name is Mick Farley and I am Group Director of Operations for Harrow International Education based in Hong Kong. So headmaster for 20 years, a native of the UK, a fellow Brit like myself. Uh, Mick is a graduate of Nottingham University. He's a director, as he said, of group operations for Asia International School Limited, overseeing new school projects, current school operations and group-wide strategic development. Previously headmaster at Harrow International School, Bangkok, Mick has extensive experience in Japan, Europe and the Middle East. He's an expert in school design, curriculum solutions and educational management. At Harrow, Bangkok, Mick led the school to outstanding success with exceptional examination and university entrance results what about that mick thank you so much for coming on today i'm super excited about this podcast my pleasure and thanks for the introduction chris so let's go straight into our backgrounds whereabouts in in the uk are you from mick i'm from um the largest county in the uk yorkshire in the north of england um grew up in yorkshire and in a beautiful country area area just outside of sheffield um, close to Manchester, called the Peak District. Um, I was educated there uh, then, as you've already um, said, Nottingham University, um, before then going into um, sports instruction, outdoor education is how I find my, found my way into education originally, um, which was a great life for a young man, but um, I quickly realised that it lacked intellectual stimulation, so I went back and retrained as a teacher, chose to be a primary teacher and following a strong social conscience, started my teaching career on what the Brits would call um, council estate. So uh, a low socioeconomic area in West Yorkshire, just south of Leeds, uh, where I taught um, as, as a primary teacher for some time before starting to specialise in curriculum development. And. I think when I when we first met face to face, you mentioned you were a, a grade year three primary teacher. Am I right, Mick? Um, taught in primary for several years, Chris. Um, grade three, um, grade four, grade six. My favourite <laughs> grade is actually grade three. Um, I just find yeah. those students, it's a very personal thing, to be very, very rewarding to work with. A lovely combination of uh, mature, um, willing, independent, 
um, with innocence and um, it's an age group where children show incredible progress. So for me personally, um, teaching children around um, age um, eight, age nine is, is a wonderful experience. I totally and utterly agree and I, that's, I'm a current grade three teacher too. It is just a wonderful uh, time in um, you know human beings' life, especially to interact with them on a you know teaching basis, and just that innocence, magic I call it. They they've got that magic stardust still around them, and uh, obviously as teachers we try to keep it for as long as possible. Um, so yeah, what really brilliant stuff. And, and I think the question is, mate, how did you actually go international? You know, a lot of teachers who are experienced they stay in England. Obviously, lots of stuff to do there. But what brought you out? To, I mean, it was Japan first, am I right, or maybe not? Uh, no, initially it was out to the Middle East. Um, it's a good ah, question. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think as as a Brit, um, I've always had uh, itchy toes, so um, ventured into Europe as a, a young man and, and in my early teaching career, um, teaching sport, particularly in France. So always enjoyed travel. Um, went back, um, as I've already said, to, to retrain as a teacher with half a mind on the opportunities that would give me to work internationally. Now I'm older than you and um, we're talking about the mid nineties. Um, I left my home country a long, long time ago. Um, wow. And actually in that era, um, the international schools sector, whether British or IB or American, w was relatively embryonic. There's been such an explosion um, yeah. in, in the, the pure volume of the international sector in recent years, but that wasn't the case 20 years ago. Um, my career was doing relatively um, well in the UK. I, I was working as a teacher, trainer and a curriculum developer by, by that time, um, no longer class-based. Um, and frankly speaking, um, a lot of my colleagues thought I was mad um, to, to go international. There was, there was no international as far as they were concerned. Um, but no, I did. I took um, my, my wife, who's a very capable um, primary and early years teacher, and our then only daughter, with another one who's arrived since, um, to the Middle East to work for a good school, um, initially focusing still on, on curriculum development. So I was the curriculum leader for that school in, in Doha, in Qatar. Um, and the mid-90s was an exciting time in that region because of oil yeah, prices yeah. and uh, the school was approached by one of the local oil companies. Um, in fact, it was kind of the, the, the family business of the Althani um, family of, um, who have, have the, uh, the emirate, are the, uh, the emirs of um, Qatar, to found for them a school serving their new um, liquid natural gas community in the north of um, the peninsula of Qatar in Alcor. Um, I was the first employee of that school, and it's remarkable. If you um, ah. look up the Alcor International School now, the last time I looked, it had over 3,000 students, which is both oh. um, phenomenal and slightly yeah. worrying. For me, 3,000 students. <laughs> students is much too big for a school but um, you know such were things in in the Middle East in in those days that the school grew like Topsy established a, um, a good reputation and and become actually became actually a company school so at that time I handed the school over to the company and and then moved to Tokyo um, where I, I worked for the British school in Tokyo as headmaster based right in the heart of the city in Shibuya. Uh. I, I have to say, just listening, Nick, we could just do a whole podcast on 
those particular adventures because uh, <laughs> I have so many sparked questions just coming off on my crib sheet here. But we must remain focused, as I always say on this podcast. And uh, yeah, so it took you to Japan. Yeah, I know Japan very well. My wife's from there where I met my, my wife and I, I taught there for some time. And then after Japan, you then went on to Bangkok. Uh, not true, Chris. No. So <laughs> six, six years in Tokyo, um, founded the this senior school there, which is um, out in Sangenjaya on the Showa Women's University. So so the school grew to be a through school provision. Um, then then actually for more, well, personal reasons, let's say, wanted to be closer to family, as did my wife. So um, I went to work for the um, ex-British Council School on the beautiful Mediterranean island of Cyprus. I'm, I'm a lifelong, Amazing. though aging, um, athlete, and I wanted to ride and race bicycles. So I, I live, lived the dream whilst having a, a very interesting job um, running um, two schools, um, the junior and senior school as, as their principal, um, as the senior school was being established in Nicosia. The last um, partition the last divided city of Europe um, with, with the Turkish occupation in the north I was working in, in, in the Greek Cypriot south um, so three years there and, and then um, joined Harrow in 2012 um, just as the school was recovering from the Bangkok floods at the end of 2011 um, wow. Harrow Bangkok um, is the original um, Harrow School. In fact, it's more than that. It's it's the original branded British independent school outside of UK. Indeed, yeah. Um, and uh, the school was the only major school in Bangkok that, at the end of two thousand and eleven, had been flooded. Um, wow. So the school was was just needing to um, to reestablish itself a little bit after a slightly bumpy road. Um, and and that um, that's me at my best. I, I love I love a challenge. I wouldn't be good at um, running a smooth you know, finely tuned machine of a school. I'm, I'm, I'm much better in situations where I can bring about change and improvement. That's what's tended to become my specialism. And the school was, was very good, built on strong foundations, educationally as well as literally, um, but, but had had a difficult little spell there. So from 2012 um, to 14, we did a lot of consolidation work whilst we developed the strategy that then took the school through to a, a, a very major upgrade, both on the educational provision we were offering and also um, a, a huge facilities refurbishment of, of every corner of the campus from early years to, to sick form, um, improving existing facilities, building lots of new facilities, building new boarding facilities, sports facilities it was a lot of fun 11 new or or wholly refurbished buildings in a build period of about four and a half years um, and we expanded the school um, but also most importantly really lifted the the standards of of the education provided both in terms of academic results a level results gcse results and, and getting the kids to the universities of their choice including some of the best universities around the world not not just uk Harrow schools are successful in placing uh -huh. um, its graduates in, in American universities, Asian, Chinese universities. So we did well there. But we worked very hard, um, uh, I suppose, aligned to Harrow International's motto 
of leadership for a better world, developing leaders for a better world. We worked very hard on, on the provision of our holistic education. So really developing the whole young person. Um, a lot of academic yeah. stretch opportunities, big creative arts programs, a music academy, sports academies in, in golf, in swimming, gymnastics, what else, tennis and football. Um, and a lot of work in, in the area of service and making sure that our students learnt through serving their community, culminating actually in a global award for um, our leadership and service curriculum. Um, so it was it was um, a very concerted team effort, Chris, let's put it that way, and a, a, a good period for, for Harrow Bangkok, I'd like to think, and a good period for me professionally as well. Um, and hard Indeed. to cap. So um, after, after seven years with that school um, and still in my mid 50s, um, it, it was time for a change. 20 years into headship, what does an aging head do um, other than take another headship? I was looking for something else and was offered the opportunity to join uh, the group. And as you described at the beginning of this podcast, developing new schools as well as overlooking the uh, the existing schools so that's what i find myself doing now based in an office on the 50 35th oh, yeah, floor, yeah. um rather than um, being in a school and, and being around children that i i won't pretend i i um, i do miss a, mm -hmm. a wee bit the, the children and the daily interaction with them um yeah but yeah, oh, fascinating yeah. job i'm in now yeah and i, I, I so much detail in in there mate you're almost answering the questions i was going to ask you so there you go that's a no no absolutely not it makes my job a lot easier but but really to the listeners the, the bangkok thing we know that our research myself we've, we've done a listen to a lot of your videos and, and checked out the website there and it is incredible scores it's, it's 29 years i believe now maybe around that uh mick that harrow bangkok's been there so you know, it's um, no mug. That's that's a long time in the international game. And uh, I think what I'd like to do now is backtrack a little bit. And for those that don't really know much about Harrow, I want to go back from Bangkok, which was its first international school, to the actual original um, Harrow school. Could you just give us a brief overview of, of that, you know, its age and where it's come from and, and very much the ethos that it's, that, that it's uh, built upon that you have alluded to me? Um, thank you. Harrow is an extraordinary institution. So Harrow School is um, in northwest London, um, about 10 kilometres from the centre of the city, overlooking actually um, from its hillstop, hilltop position, Wembley Football Stadium, coincidentally. Um, Harrow School was, was founded um, by a wealthy local landowner some 450 years ago. Um, John Lyon, Sir John Lyon, um, was able to gain a charter to found the school from the first Queen Elizabeth um, and um, had envisaged providing education um, as a service to, to, to the workers of his estate. Um, this being the era it was that was envisaged as being um, education for the boys of, of his um, farm workers and estate labourers. And, and, and I'm sure management as well. Um, interestingly, though, over the centuries and decades and centuries, um, the school morphed from John Lyon's original concept um, to something really quite different. Um, Central London 
in those centuries subsequent was was not a healthy and hygienic um, environment, um, suffering from epidemics of, of typhus and, and cholera and all sorts of killer diseases. So, in fact, over the, the decades, um, the, the, the wealthy, the, the leaders of the city um, discovered that Harrow on the hill was a much cleaner and safer environment for their um, boys ah. to be educated in and started carting their boys out for an education in the clean air of the countryside um, in Harrow School. And at some point, an entrepreneurial headmaster decided that he'd open a boarding house and charge fees. And lo and behold, found he was earning a lot more money from the fees from boarding than he was from his day job. And some of the other masters copied him. And lo and behold, um, the school became a boarding school um, for the well-placed of central London. And, and it continued to develop from there, um, adjusting and um, providing a, a higher and higher quality um, education appropriate to its era, of course, um, to the point where um, over the um, the more recent centuries, Harrow School really has um, produced uh, graduates who've gone on to change the world. It's as simple as that and influence the world that we still live in. So numerous um, Nobel Prize winners, seven prime ministers of, of Britain, including Sir Winston Churchill, voted by the British, the, the, the greatest Britain. Um, and the list is almost endless. Um, King Hussein of Jordan, Nehru, the the, um, the first and longest serving prime minister of India, of independent India, um, physicists, um, chemists, um, artists, Benedict Cumberbatch, the, the current um, movie star is, is um, old Herovian. It's, it's been an okay. incredible story. Now, in, in and amongst, Chris, I think you find this interesting. I, I, I want, if I may, to make the link, link then to the international schools. Oh, sure. Um, so there was an era just before the First World War when, for some reason, a lot of the Thai royal family were being educated at Harrow School. Um, so, so Thailand, many listeners will know, has, has a, a very well-placed, very, very wealthy royal family. And some 23... Thai princes or, or significant Thai um, individuals were educated at Harrow School up to the outbreak of the First World War, including Rama Nine, the recently deceased's father, was educated at Harrow School. And if, if you're educated at Harrow, you want your son to be educated at Harrow and your, your grandson as well. And of course, in actuality, Harrow School has, has limited capacity. It's not an enormous school. Um, so a conversation must have started at some point, mid-20th century, let's say, um, whereby um, there was consideration as to whether there could be a Harrow School in Asia to address this obvious demand. Uh, and, and that's what led to the these, uh, these are big institutions, very, very cautious and conservative. So the conversation obviously carried on for some time before finally in the 80s some serious conversations and in the 90s the signing of an agreement that led to the foundation of Harrow Bangkok in 1997 and that's the Bangkok link. Um, okay. So it, it's been quite an adventure for Harrow School. Uh, in two years time they'll celebrate their 450th year. Um, it's an extraordinary institution. 
with with a very hallowed um, reputation and past. Yeah, really, really incredible. Um, so let's move then from from England and and from Bangkok in Thailand and start to talk about uh, the shores of China, the mainland China. Uh, I, I'm looking now at the Chinese name, the the, the hands that you have under your emblem, and it, it's ha, Halo Leader Shui Shao. So uh, Halo Harrow, and then of course we've got Shui Shao, which is school. And in the middle, we've got these two characters, Li and De. Leader. That seems to be kind of manners and morality. Mick, can you just go into that a little bit? Because this is really a, a this is what it's all about, isn't it? When you boil it all down, this is the core element of what Harrow and its students and its teachers and all the people that are involved in the Harrow family all boil down to. And would I be correct? You would, and that's very nicely put, Chris. Yes, leader. Um, we, we thought very, very carefully about yeah. um, how we would move a Harrow education to a Harrow international education to a Harrow bilingual education. And certainly those virtues of respect, manners uh, and, and virtue are very, very central, um, if you like, um, represent the DNA of a Harrow education. More importantly, um, matching very strongly virtues and um, attributes that are cherished, let's say, within um, Chinese culture. And Chinese heritage, and 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 what a culture, and 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 what a um, a heritage, um, the the extraordinary opportunity to um, bring 450 years of wow. Harrow um, history and tradition to a culture that has 4,500 years of its own culture it was something we wanted to take very seriously. Um, as I say, the the motto of our schools in Asia has been leadership for a better world. And that's not leadership in any elite sense. Um, we we recognise that the education provided by our bilingual schools, or as we call them, our Harrow Innovation Leadership Academies, um, will be um, provided to, to children who, frankly, are fortunate to have the opportunity to attend those schools. And fortunate kids are likely in their um, adult life to find themselves in positions of responsibility, significant responsibility, um, positions where they are, whether they like it or not, needing to take a lead. Um, so we we consider very carefully how we can develop these um, characteristics of <clears throat> respect, virtue, very much aligned to traditional Harrow values, um, and how we can provide an education that not only makes sure that the academic standards are extremely strong and that the kids are getting the grades and the exam results that they need for their future, but also to develop young people who are well equipped um, to lead in their community, to lead in society, given the challenges that we're going to face in the foreseeable future with not only um, the extraordinary opportunities that digital technologies um, are bringing to the workplace and to the global community, um, but also the challenges that um, this rapid change that China and the globe is experiencing uh, brings. Um, and there are so many other challenges as well that um, the adults in leadership positions in the future are going to have to address. 
um, whether um, environmental um, um, issues, whether political um, issues, there are so many. Um, so the Harrow educational program is not just an academic program. It's, it's a program that makes sure that our young people develop leadership attributes so that they can be well equipped for um, the situations they're going to find themselves needing to be effective in in their adult life, younger and older. And, and Mick, really very clever that you know, Lee and De, it obviously sounds very much like leader, doesn't it? So very, very nice. I see a lot of thoughts come into that. Um, well, well okay. obviously not, yeah. not a coincidence, but I'm, I'm glad you Absolutely noted. not. Um, right, brilliant. Let's let's now hammer down into uh, what's going on in, in, in China. And first of all, just for the listeners, because it is a bit complicated in a way, and I'm sure you can explain it very simply. You work for the for a company called Asia International School Limited. Now, on your in the, the books that I've read, it says that that is the proud holding company of Harrow International Schools, Harrow Innovation Leadership Academies, and Harrow Little Lions Childhood Development. Could you just explain that? Because maybe some people would think, well, why don't you work for Harrow? Well, you do, but this is a Asia International School Limited is there and there for very um, important reasons. I'm very happy to explain that. I do work for Harrow in, in the International Schools Division and Asia International School Limited was the original company set up singular Asia International School set up to establish the Harrow International School. So we're very proud of our heritage. Mm -hmm. um, and um, Harrow International School proved to be sufficiently successful that we've subsequently opened three more schools um, in Beijing in 2006, in Hong Kong in 2012. More recently in 2016, we opened a school in Shanghai, um, but also experienced sufficient um, demand and expressions of interest um, from from the People's Republic of China um, that we put our, as we'd say, thinking hats on and as I've already touched on, started to consider whether um, the provision of um, a Harrow education that's um, offered in a bilingual um, delivery, providing Chinese children the best possible opportunity to, to have very, very strong uh, cultural attachment uh, to their home culture and their home language, uh, Mandarin and, and China, uh, but also um, to have um, strong skills um, to a level of being bilingual um, in a second global language, um, English, um, providing then um, a real opportunity to make choice at the time of um, university um, uh, entrance um, in considering whether their future would be in a Mandarin um, university environment or an English-speaking university environment. So that, that was very much um, what was driving us towards the um, establishment of a second brand, the Harrow Innovation okay. Leadership Academies, the bilingual schools. Um, in and amongst, we've become very, very good for a school that was founded as a secondary boarding school in London at running... Um, what the British would call early years units. So our early years centres are um, cutely uh, named Harrow Little Lions, um, mm -hmm. the, the lion not only being important in China, but also the, um, 
the uh, on the crest of Harrow School yeah, for, yeah. for many many centuries um, was something we we also wanted to take the opportunity to develop. So we've actually taken the step now of opening standalone um, Harrow Little Lions centres, as well as branding all the Little Lions early years centres, so kindergartens in our bilingual schools and in our international schools as Harrow Little Lions. Eventually, we'd like to think that there would be several Little Lions centres in every tier one city in, in China. Um, but right. as we've always done, we're, we're growing cautiously. We're making sure that the, um, if you like, the, the concept is proven before um, overextending. Um, so that's the stage we're at, at the moment, um, preparing to open both bilingual schools at Harrow Innovation Leadership Academies and our Harrow Little Lion standalone centres um, in various locations um, in China, um, commencing the coming summer 2020. Yeah, it's and it's really exciting stuff when you see what, what you are going to be opening over the next few years, which we'll go it into is. Um, yeah, in, a, in a short while, Nick. Um, so just for the listeners, the, the, the Harrow School in Beijing, the Harrow School in Shanghai, the Harrow School in Hong Kong, um, obviously the one in Bangkok, but let's focus on the ones in China. The, the, the students that attend, it's a, it's a Harrow International School, they are what you call foreign passport holders. Am I correct? And Chinese passport holders can't go to those schools. Yeah, that is correct. Um, they right. are providing an international education, non-compliant okay. with the Chinese national curriculum. Um, right. Very much um, drawing on the heritage of, of a Harrow education. So driven by um, the, the requirements um, and approaches of, of British education. Um, so this is a big step to us as as, as we um, take what's best of a Harrow education, but also consider how we can um, really successfully, um, to a very high standard, deliver the Chinese national curriculum from grade one to nine, um, whilst also giving students um, access to English um, and um, opening um, the the door to a future which might be a, a Chinese future or a future um, in, in the, the English-speaking world, or best case, um, providing children as graduates of our schools, our bilingual schools, with the opportunity of really having the choice to, to step in and out of either world, Chinese and English-speaking. Okay. And in, in terms of the, the business um, operation, how the, the company vehicle, so to speak, I'm just trying to get around this. So the schools um, that are the Harrow schools, which are for foreign passport holders, opposed to the leadership academies, which we're going to go into more, which obviously you follow the Chinese curriculum from grade one to nine and a Chinese passport holder can attend. Are they set up in the same way? Or I, I guess what I'm saying is, is are these leadership academies, are they franchised? What's the kind of vehicle that that operates in? Is it franchised? Is there a, you know, a stakeholder that is Chinese, a Chinese group, perhaps government in that? Could you just elaborate on how it actually works? mechanistically, if I can use that word. Yes, and, and come back if you need more clarification. A simple uh, explanation would be that the uh, bilingual schools offering the Chinese national curriculum from, from grade one to nine, though a large proportion of that curriculum taught in English, um, are, are licensed Harrow schools. Each school oh, would have yeah. its own license. Each school would run not-for-profit, of course. 
um, and each school would be very carefully quality assured to Harrow standards, um, governed um, through the Harrow license um, with, with key um, components like recruitment of senior managers, recruitment of teachers, quality of delivery of curriculum, being quality assured, both um, internally, um, part of my role here in headquarters, and externally through um, a quality audit from, from Harrow School. We have a very close working relationship, but are very strongly accountable um, in order to be able to use that Harrow name. Um, all the schools are also uh, externally validated and accredited through um, a, a number of, a small number of, of external accreditation or inspection agencies. Um, does that answer your question, Chris, in terms yeah, of how local schools will be licensed? Yes, yeah. yeah, very, very much so. Um, and Mick, could we finish this short section, this section that we've been talking about here? We've just given our listeners the summary of this massive rollout that you guys, you know, in, in AISL and, and Harrow are doing now over China, because, you know, I've seen the map and uh, what is dotting on the map Harrow wise, whether it be a school um, or an actual innovation leadership academy, as we've as we've talked about. Wh where are you expanding to over the next few years? Because it is a big project you've got on. It is. It's exciting. We've been, if mm. you like, tooling up, expanding the capacity here in headquarters, right. and thinking very carefully about curriculum development, uh, senior um, staff recruitment, etc. Here at headquarters, in preparation for the rollout. So, in a nutshell. Um, as we would say, um, to put it succinctly, in the summer of 2020, um, Asia International School Limited, so Harrow International, um, will open five new schools. Um, we'll open um, a kindergarten. I'll start with that one. Um, very okay. fond of, of early years education, so it's a good place to start. In Nanning, um, many of your listeners will know that lovely city down, down in southern China. Um, that kindergarten subsequently in 2021 will become a K-12 bilingual Harrow Innovation Leadership Academy. Um, in, in your hometown, Chris, we will open yeah. a, a full Harrow International um, Leadership, uh, sorry, excuse me, Harrow Innovation Leadership Academy um, in uh, Hungqing, in Zhuhai. Um, and... Um, round the bay in Shenzhen, we will open Harrow International School um, just across the border from Hong Kong, about 20 minutes drive from our Harrow International School in Hong Kong. Going down to beautiful Hainan Island and its capital, Haiko, will um, open a very interesting um, school complex. So a single campus will accommodate both the Harrow Innovation Leadership Academy and a Harrow, Harrow International School. Oh, wow. Beautiful wow. greenfield site, 300 metres from the beach, um, very well located just outside Heiko in an area that's um, being um, developed um, for um, the international as well as Chinese business community. Lovely environment, so very large campus, um, wonderful facilities shared by um, both the bilingual school and the Harrow International School. Um, both schools with boarding, so we envisage um, borders coming down from um, cold in the winter North China um, and really um, enjoying the opportunities um, that um, Hainan Island offer for, for world-class 
education, both in, in, in the academic sense and also in terms of holistic education. Uh, and then finally, over in Chongqing, um, magnificent city, um, outside of the city, in a greenfield um, site, we're building um, Harrow Innovation um, Leadership Academy with boarding, a huge site. It will eventually be um, physically the largest site that we operate on a bend in the river, beautiful green environment, looking at the mountains. Um, again, um, a lot of boarding provision there. We imagine um, children, um, older children, obviously, age appropriately, um, probably boarding um, through the week, returning home, whether to Chongqing, Chengdu or elsewhere in, in southern China, um, and, and then coming back on Monday for, for more of the same. So five really exciting, really different projects um, that launch this next phase of our development, um, significant projects, but in and amongst we'll also continue to open our Harrow Little Lions as opportunities arise. So these are kindergartens that don't need to be opened in an August-September window of opportunity. Um, we have opportunities um, here in Hong Kong, in Guangzhou, um, we have an opportunity just down the road from where you're talking to me in, in uh, Zhuhai. So as the opportunities come along, um, we imagine opening a, a, a trickle of Harrow Little Lions um, month by month, year by year, um, with a strong team here in headquarters um, established to, to be able to do that. Um, and it goes on, Chris. So in 2021, yeah. um, we'll... We hope uh, a second school in Zhuhai in Tangjiawan, and that will be a second yeah. um, Harrow Innovation Leadership Academy. Um, we will open a Harrow Innovation Leadership Academy on the site of the recently opened Harrow International School in Shenzhen, um, in, in Shanghai, for those of you who know that part of, of Shenzhen. Fantastic opportunity, great location. Um, in 2022, um, we open... Um, more schools internationally, if you like. So we'll open a, a fantastic um, state-of-the-art um, school in North Japan. Um, really? Wow. The, 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 the northern tip of um, Honshu in um, Iwate Prefecture in a ski wow. resort. Um, we'll have literally ski-in, ski-out opportunities in the winter. Um, immediately adjacent to a world-class golf course in the summer with tennis centre um, in a beautiful wow. alpine, pristine environment. And, and that will be 100% boarding. It will be a super campus opening, as I say, summer 2022 and eventually having feeder schools both in Tokyo uh, and down in, in Kansai adjacent to Osaka to be announced yet um, that will be primary schools, lower schools feeding the super campus up in Appy. Um, Appy Kogan is the ski resort. Um, it's a, an extraordinary project um, that I'm working hard on to, to finalise. We'll also be opening um, a school in Ho Chi Minh City in, in Vietnam, which will be an international okay. school. And you get the idea. I, I could carry on <laughs> seven times. <laughs> I was going to say, mate, are you, are you coming to the end of the list yet? <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it's a very exciting time. It's ambitious, but it's doable. We've, we've been very, very careful to build on 
our um, knowledge to date. Our, our growth has been cautious. Um, we've experienced strong success with our international schools. And as I say, we've spent the last couple of years um, really improving the support we can offer from headquarters for these newly established schools. Wow. Several of the founding headmasters slash mistresses um, are, are actually, sorry, or senior managers will be drawn from our existing Harrow International Schools, both Chinese staff as well as um, um, international staff. So we're, we're able to, to really build on what we know about running high quality education in Asia, not just in terms of the curriculum, but the good people that we um, we need as well, um, with a lot of support from headquarters. So yeah, fast, fast growth, but done done cautiously, responsibly, and we're, we're very excited with um, the, the prospects to come. I mean, just listening to you makes me even excited too. Got things coming down my spine, and the, the listeners, I'm sure, would not need me to tell you to tell them that Harrow clearly sees a huge market potential in Asia, Mick, and is definitely um, in it for the long term. So wonderful stuff. I, I really now want to focus down on these um, Harrow uh, Leadership Academies and the two that are opening up in Zhuhai, in uh, Hunchin, the Hunchin area of Zhuhai, and also in the north in the Tanjawan area, the, the following school year in, in 2021, both with boarding school um, capacity and, and then, you know, up to, I think you're imagine maybe around over a thousand students for each campus. So it's a, a two right. big, big projects. What I wanted to ask was, are you focusing, when you open one of these academies, do you focus on all of the age groups or do you, how will it be in Juhai? Will you be focusing on the early years, you know, primary first and then moving up into the secondary? It's a really important um, question. Um, our strategy has been carefully thought through, um, but also slightly di dictated by events, if I'm um, okay. entirely open Chris. Originally, our strategy was to open the Tanjawan site and the Hongqing site at the same time in 2020 for a variety of reasons right. that hasn't been possible. And what we will never do as a Harrow school is make promises we can't keep. So we've had to adjust our strategy and have launched the Hongqing um, campus to open, as you know, in the summer of 2020. Now, originally, Hongqing was designed or envisaged, I should say, as um, an upper school, so a junior high and a high school. And originally, the Tanjawan site would have been launched as um, a kindergarten and elementary school. Okay. Due to the um, delay of the Tanjawan project, what we will do is open the Hung Ching school as um, not a kindergarten, but as an elementary and junior high school which will then obviously year on year grow through into high school provision. Um, what we then hope um, to be able to do, and we haven't yet formally announced this, is open the Tanjawan site in the summer of 2021 as a primary school. If we have sufficient demand, um, even with um, lower secondary, so with junior high school, but certainly as a primary school. Um, and it could be that some of the Hung Ching students who are primary age wow. in the second year with their HILA Zuhai actually choose to move from the Hung Ching site to the Tanjawan site. We'll talk to the families closer to the time. We'll consider with them what's best for them and they'll have 
um, the option of, of staying in the Hung Cheng site or moving to the Tan Jiawan site. Some of that will be dictated by educational need for lots of families. It will be much more about getting to school and what's best for them. So if that explains, and I hope not in too much detail, the strategy we've been using, um, Hung Cheng yeah. opens first and then in 2021 Tan as a primary school. Now, in and amongst what we're also seeking to do is to open, as I mentioned before, a Harrow Little Lions yeah. in, in Zhuhai. Not quite ready to announce that formally yet, but hopefully that will give um, uh, an additional option for families who have kindergarten age children or, or families who have older children and kindergarten age children. Um, so it's, it's a, a package that's um, enticing in terms of the options it will offer families, but it needs to be clearly um, uh, communicated. And we'll do that through our WeChat sites and, and make it very clear what, what the options are. It's, it's, it's funny because, you know, being on the ground in Juhai, where I've lived for several years now, we, we get the rumours through that, you know, this school, Wickham Abbey's coming or Harrow's going to be coming. And so many rumours about the, the, the school up in Tanger and the school down in Hunchin and what, what it was going to be what it was going to be, you know, what age group. So that's really clear things up. And I think for the listeners, especially local listeners, that, that, that would do an absolutely perfect job for that. So thank you, Nick. If you enjoy listening to the China Jedi podcast and want to get involved, either by asking a question, expressing your opinion, good or bad, light or dark, or even appearing as a special guest, then get in touch by emailing our team at info at chinajedi.com. That's info at chinajedi.com. May the smile be with you.